Hey, this is Ryan Tucker, and welcome to the Unchangeable Truth Podcast. You are listening to Pastor Stephen's sermon from Sunday, and it's titled, Our God is an Awesome God, and it's out of Romans chapter 11, verses 33 through 36. So thank you for listening. If you have a Bible today, I would encourage you to take that Bible and open it to the book of Romans chapter 11. And if you don't have a Bible, the scripture will be on the screens. If you don't own a Bible, please stop by our Welcome Center and we'll be happy to give you a copy of God's Word. Uh, We're going to continue today in a series that we've been doing now for about 34 weeks, going verse by verse through the book of Romans. It's entitled A Life Transformation. I can't think of anything more appropriate on this day that we recognize graduates than a life being transformed. As we've already said, that's what God is desiring to do in every one of us. Transform our lives to make them look more like Jesus. And so this morning, I'm going to borrow a line from a 1980s Rich Mullins song. You old timers remember Rich Mullins. Man, I tell you, his life got cut way too short, but God had a plan. And his music still touches the world today. Back when I was in the youth group, there were basically two to three songs that we could sing in Wednesday night youth group. This was one of them. Our God is an awesome God. And so today, that is the title of the message, Our God is an Awesome God. We're going to pick up in verse 33, and some of you are like, well, hang on, there's about four or five verses in there that we didn't cover the last time we were in Romans. Hang on. It deals with what we've already dealt with, that God is not through with the Jew, that Paul is writing this, and the Holy Spirit of God is inspiring him, and so he's already told us several chapters before this, you know what, I would even be willing to give up my own salvation if it meant that my friends, my family, Jews, if they could be saved. He knew he couldn't do that. He knew that you can't forfeit your salvation so someone else might gain it. But that was an indication of his own heart, his own desire. He was burdened over people in his life that were not saved. They didn't have a relationship with Jesus Christ. And so this is a concern of his over and over. And now the Holy Spirit of God is revealing to him what will be happening in the future. And that is this, God is not through with the Jew. That there is going to be a great revival. There is going to be a great harvesting of souls during the time of tribulation after the church is raptured out of here in which many, many, many Jews will come to saving faith in Jesus Christ. And so we're going to see after that has been reiterated several times. I mean, stop and think about this. A beautiful testimony to the God that we serve Here are folks whose hearts were hardened. God had sent prophet after prophet to them. He even sent the Messiah, Jesus, through their own heritage, through their own lineage, and yet they still rejected God and His plan and the Savior. Their own hearts had been hardened. 
And God is saying, hey, listen, I know, Paul, I know that you see the hardness of their hearts right now. I know you see how they've rejected Jesus. But listen, one day, one day the blindness will be lifted. One day the hardness will be overcome. One day great salvation will occur and they'll turn to Christ. So with that being said, he breaks out in spontaneous, I would say spontaneous praise. Well, let let the scripture speak for itself. Look there, Romans chapter 11, verse 36. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. How unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. For, For who has known the mind of the Lord? Or who has become his counselor? Or... Who has first given to him and it shall be repaid to him? For of him and through him and to him are all things. To whom be glory forever. Amen. And so we just read the words of a man that God has said, listen, I know you're burdened over Israel because you are a Jew and your burden naturally is there for their salvation I'm not finished with them yet. That my grace will be extended to them and many will come to saving faith in Jesus. And Paul was so excited about God's future plan for Israel that it's like he just burst forth in praise. I can see him as he is pinning these words and then just stopping and flipping his pen up in the air and just saying, oh my goodness, how good God is, how great God is, how glorious God is. Friend, listen to me. When you understand who God is and you understand what God is doing, you just got to say, God, I don't understand it, but I praise you because you're a great, great God. And so with that being said today, I want us to notice a few things about God that he addresses here. And these are things that if you grasp, you'll break out in praise to our God. Now, I said that in the first service. They didn't break out in praise. Just letting you know. The bar has been set way low. What causes him to break out in praise when he thinks about God? First of all, God's greatness. God's greatness, that he is greater, bigger, smarter, and wiser than you and I can ever comprehend. Look at what he says there in verse 33. Oh, the depth of the riches, both of the wisdom and the knowledge of God. Let's talk a little bit about knowledge and wisdom. Knowledge is the accumulation of information. Wisdom is what you do with the knowledge that you have. He's just said that God's knowledge and God's wisdom are beyond even our capability to understand. Many times I'll have folks say, well, well God, when I can wrap my mind around just who God is, then I'll put my faith in Him and I respond, you'll never be able to do that. It is beyond your ability. 
Now, that doesn't mean you check your brains in at the door. No, God's not saying that you have to intellectually disengage in order to be a person of faith. I'm telling you, some of the greatest, most intellectual minds the world has ever known were men and women of great faith. But I'm saying you'll go insane saying, I want to understand and figure God out. It is impossible. His knowledge and His wisdom are greater than what we can even understand. Now, again, a little bit about knowledge, a little bit about wisdom. I'll give you an example. Let's just say that this morning, as, uh, as Reed and I were leaving our neighborhood, driving to the church, let's just say that as we were driving out, all of a sudden one of our neighbors stopped us and said, hey, listen, I know you guys are probably headed to church. I want you to know that the Deer Point Dam Bridge, there's been a major problem. It's fallen in. If you try to go that way, you'll not be able to get through. The bridge is out. Well, that's knowledge. He's told me something I did not know. Now, Let's say when we came to the end of our subdivision and we can either turn right to go 77, cut through Linhaven, shoot across, or we could go left to go across the Deer Point Dam Bridge, come to 231 and go that way. Let's say we get to the end of the road and I turn left instead of right. And my son says, Dad, well, why are you doing that? He told us the bridge is out. And I'm like, I don't care what he said. I'll go wherever I want to go. I don't drive a Chevrolet. I drive a Dodge Ram. <laughs> Ain't no bridge out going to stop me. Well, what's going to happen? I'm going to have knowledge, and it's not going to become wisdom, and I'm going to continue to drive, and then all of a sudden, that knowledge will become what? Experience. And knowledge becoming experience is a very, very costly thing. And I'll be, we'll be floating. We'll, I don't know, every time, every, when we moved here and we'd drive across that bridge all the time when my kids were young, they would point and they would say, uh, remember, we moved from Little Rock, Arkansas, but they would point and say, sharks on that side, alligators on that side. Sharks on that side, alligators on that. I'll either be swimming with the alligators or sharks, right? So, so here it is. He is saying that God's knowledge and God's wisdom are beyond our ability to understand. Now, folks, we've got a lot of knowledge in the world today. Matter of fact, the Bible says this. The Bible says in the end times, the world will be full of knowledge. That knowledge will be incredibly increasing. For instance, we can look at the medical field. Medical technology and medical knowledge today has ex extended the lifespan of every single one of us. And the problem is, most folks don't have the wisdom with what to do with those extra years that the medical technology and knowledge has given to them. Friends, listen to me. We may have a little knowledge, but we don't have much wisdom. The great pastor, A.W. Tozer, I want you to listen to what he said about God's intelligence. 
He said God knows instantly and effortlessly all matter in all matters. All mind in every mind. He knows all spirit in every spirit. He knows all being in every being. God knows all laws in every law. He knows all causes, all thoughts, all mysteries, all enigmas, all feelings, all desires. God knows every unuttered secret of your heart. Every personality, all things visible, invisible, motion, time, space, depth, good, evil, heaven, and hell. I read that and here's what I thought. That covers just about all of it right there. God knows it all. And when we start thinking about the knowledge and the brilliance and the greatness of our God, and I say this as lovingly as I know how, in comparison, we're all bumbling idiots. Our problem is we strut around and we think that we're somebody smart. And sometimes we get caught up in our own intellectual pride. And about the time that we think we're really smart... God's got a way of cutting us down to size. The Bible says his wisdom, his knowledge are beyond our ability to understand. And so here he is. Oh my goodness, there's no hope out there for my Jewish brothers or sisters. They have rejected the Messiah. They have rejected the prophets. They've even rejected my own testimony as I've walked among them and I've preached among them. They've rejected message after message after message. There is no hope for the Jews. They are utterly, eternally damned. And God says, oh, no, no, Paul. I'm not through with the Jews. I'll save them. Many will come to faith in me. And he just gets so excited. And he's like, I forgot about how great you are, God. I forgot about how powerful your ways are. I forgot about that I can't figure you out. I've forgotten that my ways are not your ways. And listen to me, friend. Just as there is hope for the Jews, there's hope for you. There is hope for you. Give him praise this morning over the fact that he is a great God. Amen. But then look at secondly. He breaks out into praise when he also considers God's glory. Again, God's ways are better. God's wealth is greater. Look at the second part of verse 33. Look at what he says. He says, how unsearchable are his judgments and his ways past finding out. That means that God is so great that we can't track him. God's so great that we can't pin him down. We can never say, God, I've got you completely figured out because we cannot figure God out. Friend, if we could figure out God, that would make us God. There's a heresy going around today called pantheism. Pantheism basically says this, that Jesus and God is in everything. That God is in this stage, God is in this pulpit, that God is in me, and God is in you, and God's in that well back there. Now, let the scripture show we don't know it was a well, it just said a big fish. 
Could have been, I've seen some catfish that could swallow a man. (laughs) That God's in everything and God is everything. Friend, listen to me, That, that, that is not correct. We don't believe in pantheism. Instead, we believe in a concept that is called the transcendence of God. Here's what that means. It means that God created this universe, but God is separate from the universe, and there is a transcendence to God that we can never, ever grasp. It means this. It means that there is a part about God's personality that we can never completely comprehend and I'm even dumbing down his greatness by using the word personality. Look at what he says in verse 35. Or who is first given to him and it shall be repaid to him. He's like, you know, sometimes we think that we give money to God because God needs our money. No. No, that's not why we give money to God. God doesn't need our money. And some of you are like, oh, sweet, I've really been worried and burdened about me not tithing. And so now you've just released me from that. Oh, no, friend. Oh, no. We don't give to God because God needs anything. It's not a situation where we're like, okay, God, I really don't want to do this, but I'll, I'm going to give you some money because if I, don't, I know if I don't give you this money, there's some things that you're not going to be able to do, and you're not going to be able to reach the pygmies in Africa, and you're not going to be able to help plant churches, and you're not going to be able to pay, you know, the minister's salary so they can get bread, you know, and God, so I'm going to give to you. Listen to me, friend. That is not why we give. We give to God out of obedience, and we give to God because when we give to God, God blesses everything else. And so if you're here today and you are not tithing to God, what does tithe mean? Tithe means a tenth. That's what the exact word means. So a tenth that you give back to him, a tenth. You should never as a follower of Christ sit there and have to pray, should I give a tenth to him? Should I give a tithe to him? That would be like praying, should I be obedient to God or disobedient? You never have to pray that prayer. That instead, the prayer should be, God, how much more do you want me to give? And friend, I'm here to tell you today, you can sing all the praise songs in the world. You can do all the Bible studies in the world. You can come to every single service in the world. Shoot, you can buy 10 cups of coffee out there at the coffee bar saying every dollar is going to go help build churches somewhere else, and it will. But listen to me. If you are not giving unto God your tithe, then your life is not blessed. You are not living under the umbrella and the cloud of God's blessing. You say, well, I see people all the time that have no regard for God. They're not followers of Jesus and their life is blessed. I would just like to say this. How much time have you spent in their mind? How many nights have you hung out in their heart? Hear me, friend. God's wanting to bless your life in a way that is much greater than the tangible things of this world. But notice what he says here. He says, who are we? God doesn't need anything. God's better than all of us. God is richer than all of us. We can't even comprehend the riches of God. Scripture says this about God. 
It says that a day to him is like a thousand years, and a thousand years is like one day. Can I just say, I can't even comprehend that. There was one guy who knew just enough scripture to be dangerous, but he really didn't know it fully. And he was talking to God, and he said, hey God, I've heard that a minute is like a million years to you, and a million years is like a minute. And I've also heard a penny is like a million dollars, and a million dollars is like a penny. And God's like, well, yeah, yeah, kind of like that. And he said, well, God, will you give me a penny? And God said, sure, in a minute. He is greater. He is more glorious than any of us. Look at the three prepositions there in verse 36 again. For of him. That means that he is the source of life, okay? That means that he has created it all. For of him and through him. That means that he is the course of life. And for him and through him and to him. That means that he is the force of life. You young preacher boys that are trying to outline something, go ahead and write it down. The source of life, the course of life, the force of life. It's right there in verse 36. Are all things. That's what it says. Some scientists say this, that by studying the stars, we'll learn how our world came into existence. And I am fully convinced that the more we study the stars, and the more we study about the universe, and the more we learn about existence, the more we'll come to believe that there is a God who created all of this. But not everybody believes in an all-creating, all-knowing God. There was an atheist one time. And he was just walking around and he was admiring the beautiful creation of evolution. And he goes, My goodness, look at those beautiful trees, the sounds of the birds. Oh, evolution, so good. The water, he was hearing the water of a river as he was walking along. Then all of a sudden he heard a rustling behind him in the bushes and out jumped a seven-foot grizzly bear. He took off running. The grizzly bear started chasing him. He ran faster than he even knew he could run and the grizzly bear was gaining on him. They say if a grizzly bear is chasing you, you shouldn't run, you should fall down and act like a dead man. That'd be hard to do, wouldn't it? So he ran faster and the bear got closer and finally he stumbled, he fell, he laid down, he turned around and there was the bear. The bear took his left paw, pinned him down. He raised his right paw, he was about to strike him to kill him when all of a sudden this atheist that was admiring evolution cried out, oh God, and everything stopped. The water stopped moving in the river, the bear froze, the bird stopped chirping, and a bright light shone down from heaven. A voice spoke from the bright light. Here's what the voice said. So are you wanting me to believe that now? Now you believe in me? You've spent your entire life in opposition to me. You've taught other people that I don't exist. That the whole world was created by evolution. And are you telling me now that you find yourself in this predicament? You want to call on me? 
To which the atheist said, no, 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 I don't want to do that. I'd, I'd feel like a hypocrite if I did that, if, if I called on you and believed that there was a God. But you know what, God? <laughs> you know what, God? Hey, if there is no God, why do I get so upset about us professing he is? You know what, God? You could help me if you'd just make that bear into a believer. Could you make the bear into a Christian? Done. The light goes out. The water starts running again. The birds start chirping again. The bear is there. The bear takes his right hand and he brings it down. He releases the man with his left paw. He brings them together. He bows his head and he says, Oh, dear Father in heaven, for this food about which I am too coo... <laughs> that I'm about to consume, I give you thanks. Guys, listen to me. Listen to me, we cannot understand his ways and not everyone believes in God and there's an ongoing debate about intelligent design and a big bang theory. Some folks say, some scientists say that the universe was created with a big bang. I grew up in rural West Tennessee. I've seen and I've heard many big bangs. I might have even been a part of a few big bangs over my period of adolescence. I've been told that it's too far gone for them to prosecute me. <laughs> but just in case, I'll save the details for another day. I've never seen anything created from a bang. I've seen a lot of destruction from a bang. But as far as I'm concerned, it's settled. God created the heavens and the earth. And I'm telling you, I wouldn't be surprised that one day God was there and God's like, you know what? I think I'm going to create me a universe. Universe B and bang! There it was. Right there, just as he spoke it. A universe. And the more we learn about the universe, the more we see the greatness of God. I want to give you a glimpse this morning, friends, into the very greatness of God. I think this is very applicable on graduation Sunday. Because here's what's going to happen, young men and young women. You're going to find yourself in some classroom, and I would say away from here, but it's here as well. You'll find yourself in some classroom. You'll have some Dr. Wigglejaw or some I-don't-know-the-difference woman, and she'll sit there and he'll sit there and they'll say there is no God. Christianity is a crutch for the weak-minded. He did not create anything and they will take something that is theory and they will say it is fact and it takes more faith to believe in the theory than it does the fact of creation. Did you know the sun is 865,000 miles in diameter and is 93 million miles away from the earth? The planet Mercury is 59 million miles away from the earth. Venus, 99 million miles from the earth. Mars, 147 miles from the earth. We've not even started yet, guys. Jupiter, 517 million miles from the earth. Saturn, 921 miles from the earth. We're not anywhere yet. Uranus is 1.9 billion miles away from the earth. Neptune, 2.8 billion miles away from the earth. We're not even going to talk about Pluto because some folks are like, that's not even a planet. It's like a star of, of, of Neptune or something, but it's way on out there. And that's just part of our galaxy. That's just the Milky Way. Do you know that the next galaxy 
If we were to travel there, it would take us 2.5 million years to get there. Oh, by the way, you got to travel as fast as the speed of light. How many galaxies are there? We don't know how many galaxies there are. There are galaxies out there that scientists say have never even been discovered. And I'm like, well, how do you know? And listen to what the Bible says about God in Isaiah chapter 40, verse 12. It says that God has measured the universe by the span of his hand. Boom, man, he's big. Man, he's big. You're like, you're like, my goodness, it's, it's like we're just a little speck of dust in our galaxy. No, you missed it. We're not even a speck of dust. We don't even register as a speck of dust. Our God is such a great God. He is a mighty God. He is an awesome God, and he created it all. Does that make you feel small? Yeah, it should. When we consider the greatness and the glory of God, it makes us all feel small. It makes us all feel insignificant. Yet, it is so amazing that the God who measures our universe by the span of his hand is also the same one who said this, I love you. And I love you so much, I'll send my son to die for you. Even while you were still my enemy. You're like, I can't wrap my mind. I know. I know. And that's what Paul is doing. He's like, just when I thought you were through with the Jews, all of a sudden I'm reminded you are a great God. You are a glorious God. I'm so thankful, God, that you don't function according to my plans because my plans would limit you in your greatness and your glory. And then look. Listen to what it says. Everything is of Him. Everything is through Him. That means that in Him all things consist. And then the Bible says this in Colossians 1.17. It says that He is before all things and in Him all things hold together. Who keeps it all together? You guys remember when you studied about molecules in school and you got the protons and the electrons, the neutrons and the croutons. and You remember all that? My goodness, who keeps all that working right? Who keeps the molecules in this wooden stage from falling apart? Who keeps the molecules in my physical body from falling apart right before you? Jesus does. Jesus is the one that holds it all perfectly together. By Jesus, all things hold together. The very fact that this universe is intact is because of the power of Jesus Christ. Jesus is the superglue of the universe. I'll put it in panhandle vernacular. He's the duct tape of the world. <laughs> all things, all things are of him. He created it all. All things are through him, by him. All things consist. And then look in verse 36. Look at what he continues with. And to him are all things. That means that one day all things will culminate in him. Notice the three propositions here. Of, 
through and to. Everything is of Him. means He originates everything. Everything is through Him. It means He perpetuates everything. And everything is in or to Him. It means He decides when everything terminates. So originates, perpetuates, and terminates. That's another good sermon outline. It's Him. And when Paul starts talking and writing about the greatness of God, he just sort of goes into overload. Notice what he says here. Wow, the greatness of the glory of God. Amen. And I just see him then like, whew, I'm worn out. God's so good. But then he doesn't stop. We've got an unfortunate break here. You go over to chapter 12, verse 1. I mean, he continues You know, when he wrote the letters in the books of the New Testament, you know, they they weren't broken down into chapters and verses. That happened later on, so it'd be easier for us to reference, easier for us to understand. No, but it goes perfectly hand in hand, even in chapter 12, verse 1. You say, Pastor, can we we immediately go from chapter 11 into chapter 12? Don't, Don't we have to stop and we'll come back next week and start in chapter 12? No. Look at what he says. I beseech you, therefore. You've heard this your whole life. Anytime you read the word therefore, you got to go back. You got to look. What was he talking about before that? What is that therefore, right? Well, what is he talking about? God's such a great God. God's such a glorious God. God is such a merciful God. He says, I beseech you, therefore, brethren, by the mercies of God, that you present your bodies a living sacrifice, holy, acceptable to God, which is your reasonable service. And now the party comes down. We're like, let's go back and talk about the greatness of God. I don't want to talk about this presenting our bodies. Why didn't he say, why doesn't he say, present your souls to me? as a reasonable act of service. Why doesn't he say, present your spirit to me as a reasonable act of service? I'll tell you why. Because the only time that your soul and spirit leaves your body is when what? You physically die. You physically die. You've been to a funeral before and you've heard the pastor say, hey, even though there's a body down here in this casket, This is not Joe. This is not your grandmother. This is not your friend. No, no, no. No, their spirit, their soul has left their body and is now in the very presence of Jesus if they knew him as Savior. Now, one day, one day, that soul and spirit will be reunited, not with the body laying in that casket. It'll be reunited with a glorified body. You say, what does a glorified body look like? We don't know. I can tell you this. There ain't one in this room. (laughs) And English teachers, I know that's not correct. But I've come a long way. Why does he say give your body? He means this. Give all of you to me. I I want every bit of you. I want your body. I want your spirit. I want your soul. I want everything. You know, sometimes people will say to me, Pastor, I'm not going to be in church this Sunday, but I'll be there in spirit. (laughs) Kind of spooky to me to stand up here some Sundays and preach to all those spirits in the seats. (laughs) Truth is, you can't do that. 
I know what they're meaning. I know that they're saying, man, we wish we could be there, but we're going to be out of town or something along those lines. But boy, we really, really could be. I know they mean that they're going to be there in thought, but you can't separate your spirit from your body. Again, that happens at physical death. You can't do it until then. And Paul is saying, give everything you got. Give give everything you are to God. So let me ask you this morning. Can you honestly say that you've done that? Can we honestly say that our bodies are available to God as living sacrifices? Or do we ever say things with our mouths that aren't pleasing to God? Oh. Do we ever look at things that aren't holy? Do our feet ever take us places that we ought not be going? Are our hands doing things that we should not be doing? When we offer our bodies to God, we offer everything to Him. And Paul says, that's what we ought to do when we consider the greatness of God. Give ourselves to Him. And so here's the bottom line truth this morning. You need to give your life to God now now see friends listen to me we can walk into this place and we can say oh man man i'm I'm gonna praise jesus oh praise man it's so good i love coming and i love the praise and man i just praise jesus today and you know they were singing that song about the stars and the moon and the sky and just when i was into that all of a sudden they like did a hard right and holy holy and we're like oh my goodness that was crazy oh it was so good though oh the praise and and and, you know some of you like man my praise i get so moved in praise that i'm lifting my hands to the heaven it's in you know the psalmist basically tells us that the reason why we lift our hands to heaven is like this god i'm surrendering all i'm surrendering all if you were to break in my house tonight and i didn't have enough time to get to my welcoming committee (laughs) and you were to hold a gun on me and you said freeze here's what i'm gonna do all right look i got nothing here you go got nothing Don't shoot me. We don't have any money. There's a stack of bills on that desk over there. Take all you want. And, but but hear me. If all you're doing is uplifting your hands, you're not praising him. No, he, he wants all of you. Come here on Sunday morning, you'll crack the Bible open for a little while, and you walk out of here, and, you know, on Sunday, you're singing holy, 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 but Monday at school or Monday at work, it's helly, helly, helly. You quote me on that one. That's not praise. No, he says, I want your all. I want your body, I want your soul, I want your spirit, I want your hands, I want your feet, I want your mouth. I want every single thing. And that's how we ought to, that's what we ought to do when we consider how great is. We offer it all. We give our lives to Him. Today. Don't wait. Today. 
Here's what the Bible says. The Bible says that one day every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that Jesus is, that Jesus is Lord. So the worst sinners that have ever lived, or even the least sinners that have ever lived, that had no faith in Jesus Christ, that had no relationship with Jesus Christ, that even one day that their knees will hit the ground, their tongues will confess that Jesus is Lord. But here's what God will say, it's too late now. It's too late. No, it's a decision to be made today. It's one thing to confess he is Lord. It's another thing to confess he is my Lord. I surrender my all to him. Now, Lord's a big word. Lord means boss. It doesn't mean weekend leader. It doesn't mean when I find myself in a pickle and I don't know what to do, okay, God, you take over. Jesus, take the wheel. No, he's Lord of all. Is he your Lord? You say, well, someday he will be, but not now. Maybe someday when I have time. Someday when I sow my wild oats. Maybe someday, but not, not today. Friend, please hear me. The Bible says this, that there is not another day guaranteed to us on this earth. And I'm not saying this to scare you. I'm saying this to be absolutely truthful. Because one day, I'll stand before God and I'll give an account for what I've said to you. I take that very serious. There's a reason why the Bible says today's the day of salvation. Because right now, hell is covered with people who thought, not today, maybe later. And they never had another opportunity. Today, I surrender my life to Jesus. Today, I confess him as Lord He is a great God. He is a glorious God. He is a loving God. He is a forgiving God. Hey guys, this is Stephen Kyle, and I want to thank you for listening to our podcast today, Unchangeable Truth. This is a ministry of Highland Park Baptist Church in Panama City, Florida. We would love for you to visit us if you ever find yourself in the Panama City area. Our address is 2611 Highway 231 North. You can also learn more about our church and its ministry by going to our website, www.highland, and it's H-I-L-A-N-D, park.org. There you'll learn more about what we believe, what we teach, about the gospel of Jesus Christ. There'll also be a sermon archive there so you can go and listen to various sermons over the last several years. As always, we would love to talk to you about your relationship with Jesus Christ. So feel free, shoot us an email, info at highlandpark.org. If you'd like to learn more about Jesus and what it means to follow him, Our prayers are that you would draw near to Christ, that this podcast would be used to point you to Jesus and to help your faith grow and your walk increase. God bless you guys. Thank you for listening.